This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts program. This is Steve Z, your host, coming to you from Studio 63A today. I am not on the normal broadcast equipment, but I'm doing the program directly through the cell phone. So I do apologize if some bleeps or ringing sounds or other cell phone-related noises come through. There's an issue with the internet down here near Studio 63, so we're going straight over cellular this morning live. It is the 15th day of July 2021. It is halfway through the first year of the gropey Joe Biden presidency, and not a single solitary good thing has been done by gropey Joe Biden or Camel Toe Harris, in my humble opinion. Sure, he has taken Donald Trump's fantastic economy, stalled it deliberately in order to impose his will upon the people, and then now climbing very slowly, crawling back to a Trump-style economy. We still have massive unemployment. We still have massively low job participation rates by the very minority groups that Donald Trump had taken off of the welfare rolls and put back into productivity. This is what Joe Biden is all about. It's reality. It is the way it is. According to National Review, Biden's executive order moves the U.S. one step closer to rule by decree. President Gropey Joe Biden's sweeping executive order on competition is a strange beast. It lurches from lofty claims about encouraging competition to niggling complaints about undisclosed airline checking bag fees. The order has forced the force of law but also tries to direct agencies that are supposed to be independent of presidential control. Most important, it's a further step towards presidential usurpation of legislative as well as judicial powers. Technically, everything in the order is already authorized in one way or another by current law. However, Gropey Joe is constrained on how he directs officials by rules about rules, such as the Administrative Procedures Act. The Trump administration, to its credit, tried to strengthen rules about rules by issuing what Wayne Cruz calls final rules on guidance, or frogs, that restricted the use of guidance documents to get around the APA. One of Gropey Joe's early executive orders stomped on these so-called frogs to make it easier for his officials to use de facto rules without notice and without comment as required by the APA. The president is prejudging rules of the rulemaking process, and that may be the least of the problems with his order. In the case of many actions demanded by Gropey Joe in this order, the rules proposed have already been through a process of notice and comment in either or both the Trump and Obama administrations, but were not finalized because of objections raised by the affected parties. Those were recognized as substantive enough to stop the rule from being issued. But Gropey Joe's rule on airline fee disclosures 
is a simple case in point. The Obama administration's Department of Transportation admitted that the rule failed the all-important cost-benefit test. Cost far outweighed benefits, but tried to be unquantifiable benefits such as goodwill to ticket counter clerks seems to be enough for Gropey Joe to go ahead and push this measure through anyway. Yet attempts at rulemaking did not have the force of a presidential executive order behind them until now. In some cases, the president is pushing officials to essentially rewrite law. Good example of this requirement to rewrite rules that will force railroad companies to offer below market rates to shippers, known as reciprocal switching. The president's proposal will empower the Surface Transportation Board to compel and demand that railroads hand over traffic to their own competition, driving rates for shippers down at the cost of the railroads. This completely and totally upends the purpose of the 1980s Staggers Act, a deregulatory measure passed under Jimmy Carter, thanks in no small part to the efforts of Senator Ted Kennedy, who realized that the similar micromanagement of shipping rates by bureaucrats in place then was killing America's freight railroads. Reimposing those rules now under Gropey Joe's orders will reduce investment in freight rail infrastructure and, in the end, decrease profitability and increase delivery times and cost for the final end users of the products being shipped by rail. This is why successive administrations have refrained from making such a mistake. Yet, Gropey Joe Biden is demanding that officials do it. He's also urging officials, nominally not under his control, to take actions that he has no authority to order them to take. The Federal Trade Commission, the Federal Communications Commission, the Surface Transportation Board, as well as many others are supposedly independent agencies, which exercise functions delegated them by Congress independent of presidential control. The case that validated the existence of these agencies, such as the FCC and the FTC and the Surface Transportation Board, were validated in the Humphreys Executor of 1935. They did so on the basis that commissions exercise quasi-judicial and quasi-legislative functions, yet here we now have President Gropey Joe Biden treating those agencies as if they are arms of the White House, acting under his direct control and authority. That is illegal, Mr. Biden, but that doesn't seem to matter to you. As many laws as you have broken, both as a senator, as a private citizen, and now as the president, I guess you're just kind of used to it. Does that make you a career criminal? You betcha. The heads of various independent agencies would be at liberty to refuse to act as the president wishes, which is why this new executive order carefully urges them rather than directs them with some mild behind-the-scenes threats to their memberships in the balance. The chairpeople of these agencies have been appointed by this president and have so far shown no signs of breaking from his authoritarian urgings. The chairman of the Federal Trade Commission was appointed to the post after being approved by the Senate as a simple commissioner in breach of strong, long-standing protocols. 
The acting chairwoman of the Federal Communications Commission has already welcomed this president's order. And why shouldn't she? He appointed her to the position, so she is beholden to him. Dan Bosch of the American Action Forum points out, while previous presidents urged independent agencies to take a look at particular topics, this gropey Joe Biden executive order demands specific policy outcomes. The FCC, for example, is asked not to examine net neutrality issues, but to specifically restore the Obama-era rules on the issue, regardless of what experience has shown that it is an utter and complete failure. None of the threats of the Obama-era rules manifested once they were rescinded, but that's no excuse for the continued push of this failed policy by this president. This way may well also call into question legality of any decisions that go along with the president's wishes. America has separation of powers, my friends, for very good reasons. Part of that is to avoid the monarchical style of rule by decree. With this overreaching executive order from gropey Joe Biden, America has yet moved one step closer to a rule by monarchy. And they thought Donald Trump was bad. This clown Joe Biden, he is off the rails. This is the Truth Hurts program. How many times in your life have you made a gun out of Lego bricks? I know for me, as a child, it was many, many times. I made pistols and rifles and cannons and space lasers and giant ion cannons and all kinds of guns. Well, the folks at Lego don't encourage such practices. (laughs) You're making guns out of our Legos. And now they're also asking a real gun manufacturer to stop making guns that look like Legos. Gun company Culper Precision has stopped selling their new pistol customized with brightly colored block pieces after the toy maker Lego issued a cease and desist letter to Culper Precision. Culper's handgun, dubbed the Block 19, that's B-L-O-C-K 19, is a customized semi-automatic Glock-like firearm excuse me, it is a Glock firearm, covered with red, yellow, and blue Lego-like pieces on the barrel and on the grip, giving the fully functional pistol the appearance of a Lego block gun, a toy. Culper is based in Provo, Utah, and they introduced the Lego-style gun just last week. On Wednesday, the Danish toy maker Lego said in a statement that it had asked Culper to stop selling the Block 19. They say, we have contacted the company and they have agreed to remove the product from their website and not make or sell anything like this in the future. The product page for the Block 19 has been taken down from the website as of Wednesday. Culper declined to comment and directed people to a statement on their website. It says, quote, We here at Culper Precision are grateful for the attention that Block 19 is currently getting across the globe. It seems that no matter what we create in the firearms industry, anti-gunners seem to leverage every true innovation shortly after its release to talk about why guns are bad. 
Culper also said that it made the Block 19 to, quote, create an opportunity to talk about the enjoyment of shooting sports and the joy that can only be found in marksmanship practice and training. There's a group out there called Moms Demand Action. Shannon Watts is a founder of this gun control group. And she says she drew attention to the Block 19 on Twitter last week because a customized gun of this nature is, quote, a recipe for disaster. (laughs) I saw a picture of this gun. It's pretty cool. I wonder if I called Culper, would they sell me one on the down low, the hush-hush under the table? After all, they probably made a whole bunch of them. I doubt they'll simply crush them. This is the Truth Hurts program. Just 90 miles of water separates Cuban refugees from oppression under a communist dictatorship from the land of the free, the home of the brave. It's only 90 miles between Miami and Cuba. Over a thousand miles of Mexico separate the Northern Triangle migrants and the cartels. Yet somehow the gropey Joe Biden administration has decided to only welcome illegal immigrants from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador with open arms. And he basically gave a big old F.U. to the Cuban refugees who are truly freeing oppression under communistic rule, under socialist rule that they hate. With the Cuban dictatorship shutting down the nation's internet, power, and water in response to historic protests from its people yearning to be free, U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas issued a warning for would-be refugees considering fleeing to the U.S. of A. Mayorkas said in a formal announcement, quote, Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Now, this is gropey Joe Biden's way of signaling that he's not the immigration doormat for Cubans fleeing communism. But it's okay for illegals to come in through the southern border. Perfectly fine to swim across the Rio Grande or to cross the desert into Nogales or El Paso or some other desert point of entry. If this is Joe Biden's way of signaling he's not the immigration doormat, the first six months of his president has proven he is He sure has picked an awfully odd time to suddenly take a stand. Given the the political realities at play, it's hard to believe the collateral damage this decision he made could be purely coincidental. Biden inherited a border that was secure to the South with a wall under construction at the direction of former President Donald Trump. But... Donald Trump did not only secure the border with a wall. He did so with a strong hand, an iron fist. He had diplomatic deals in place with Mexico's president, with other leaders, which successfully uh, reversed the incentive structure that had attracted people to our border in the first place. In other words, Donald Trump had his crap together. 
He was controlling immigration. He was stopping large caravans of migrants from attempting to come to this country. He was sending people back. Groping Joe Biden rolled out the welcome mat, but only at the southern border with Mexico. Groping Joe Biden is telling the people of Cuba who are truly trying to flee communism. They don't, they're not welcome here. They're not allowed. There's no room for you here. And he's doing so by ordering Alejandro Mayorkas to tell them not to come. It's a double standard. And it happens for one reason and one reason only. And you know what it is. Come on, guys. All the illegal Mexicans coming across down there, they're not really fleeing any kind of communist regime. They're just coming here because they know we're going to give them something for nothing in the form of welfare and food stamps and housing and health care and things that they can't get down there because their broke asses haven't developed into an economy, into a nation capable of providing for their citizens at the levels of the USA. And the only thing gropey Joe Biden and the Democrats ask in return for this massive influx of illegal invaders at our southern border is that they vote Democrat, even if they're not registered, because, hell, there's no ID required. But the Cubans, the Cuban refugees actually fleeing communism, socialism, dictatorships, are likely to vote Republican, to vote conservative, to vote red, white, and blue, patriotic Americanism. And that's why Gropey Joe doesn't want them here. Biden recklessly ripped up every single one of the Trump-era deals that was controlling illegal immigration. Donald Trump had safe third country agreements. Migrants seeking asylum from the three Northern Triangle nations had to apply for asylum first in the nation whose border they crossed. You can't skip over nine spaces pass go and collect your $200 under Donald Trump. No, sir. If you had to cross into Mexico in order to get to the United States, you had to first apply for asylum in Mexico. But Biden ripped that up. He said, ah, that's bullshit. I don't have to do that. He also destroyed the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy that prevented overflow in U.S. facilities for asylum seekers waiting to be processed. He also got rid of the catch and release policy. You know, we catch you here illegally. We slap you on the wrist and tell you, show up for court in two years. Now go do what you want in the U.S. Bye-bye and let people go. Biden got rid of that as well. He's just letting them go. Period. No catch. <laughs> Not only catch and release. No catch. Just go. As a result of gropey Joe Biden's reckless southern border policies, Encounters along the southern border reported by Customs and Border Protection have more than doubled since the day Biden took office. And Biden cannot blame this on seasonal trends or Donald Trump. Crossings are actually up 675% from the same time last year. Not 10%, not 50%, not even 100%. 675% increase from the same time last year. Way to go, Gropey Joe. And Gropey Joe hasn't signaled he's trying to restore the safe third country or remain policy, uh, Mexico policy deals. 
His decision to send Camel Toe Harris to El Paso for two hours doesn't inspire much confidence that Joe Biden takes our border crisis seriously in the least. It's rather curious that amidst the high number of migrants flooding the southern border, Biden would refuse a class of Cubans who obviously fit the qualification for seeking asylum under international law. This in contrast to nearly all of the Northern Triangle migrants who really don't have a real reason to seek asylum. It's galling as a historical precedent. For half a century, our wet foot, dry foot policy granted safe harbor to Cuban refugees who tried desperately to flee communism. And guess what? Alejandro Mayorkas is one of those Cuban refugees who made it to the shores of Florida fleeing Castro's communist regime. And now he is too good. He is standing on the shore pointing towards Cuba saying, don't you dare come because my boss, the puppet, said so. Only under Barack Obama's endless romancing of dictators did the U.S. revoke that particular wet-foot, dry-foot policy, promising to repatriate refugees to a regime in Cuba that was guaranteed to persecute and prosecute them. So why recommit to barring Cubans from the safety of American soil at the moment they need us most? It's obviously a golden political opportunity to gain support from the Cuban-Americans who overwhelmingly broke for Republicans in the 2020 election. One can only conclude that gropey Joe Biden and his team have drawn a moral conclusion that victims of communism are not worthy of the salvation they would give to economic migrants, whom they perhaps see as victims of capitalism. For Biden, the immigration dilemma is not a matter of the number of immigrants, but whether or not he welcomes the right ones. He only wants those who are likely to vote Democrat. And we all know that those Cuban refugees fleeing communism, seeking the American way of life, will likely vote Republican. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Speaking of immigrants, Joe Biden hastily fled Afghanistan in the middle of the night last week, basically waving the white flag of surrender to the Taliban, to ISIS, and to every other terrorist group without as much as a telephone call to the Afghan security forces to let them know that he had abandoned the Bagram Air Base. He didn't bother to tell anyone that there were 5,000 terrorist prisoners now being left unsupervised at that base. He pulled the breakers on the electrical panel, turned out the lights, and fled like the feeble coward he is right out the back door. And within mere minutes, terrorists and looters stormed the Bagram airfield, taking weapons, equipment, office supplies, files, and everything they could carry out on their camels. And now, because gropey Joe Biden's reckless policies are what they are, the terrorists are taking over the entire nation of Afghanistan. 
Now, this is not only an insult to every single American who ever served the military to secure that place, it's a spitting or shitting upon the grave by gropy Joe Biden to every soldier who died in that military action. But who cares? Biden sure doesn't. And to add insult to injury, Biden's regime is now looking to import Afghan helpers, refugees, to the USA. Yet another slap in the face to those Cubans trying desperately to seek asylum from the Castro communism in Cuba. According to the Washington Examiner, Operation Allies Refuge, with time running dangerously short and most U.S. troops already out of the country, the U.S. is planning a massive 11th hour airlift to ferry thousands of Afghans who worked for the U.S. out of Afghanistan before they are subject to retribution and possibly murder from the advancing Taliban forces. Okay, now this is the White House's official position, people. They know that they abandoned Afghanistan in the middle of the night. And they know that the Taliban, ISIS, terrorists are advancing and trying to grasp a stronghold in that nation that we fought so hard for and so many Americans died to protect. But they're doing nothing at all about it. An official July 13th update had this ominous assessment, quote, the Afghan government is facing a critical test. It must halt the Taliban advance in the north as well as in the provinces surrounding Kabul. To do so, the government must consolidate its forces, which will only be possible if it accepts that certain regions of the country have been lost rather than continuing to defend indefensible terrain, especially in the south and the east, unquote. This is the White House's official position statement, people. They see all of the accomplishments that we assisted with as American forces. And they're saying, man, you better, you better just give it up. Just give it up. All those people who died, that they died for nothing. Tough titty. Wah. If you're going to win any piece of keeping your country you're going to have to abandon most of your country. In an interview with the German broadcaster Deutsche Welle, former President George W. Bush, who rarely speaks out about what current presidents are doing, expressed deep concern for the fate of Afghan women in particular in the wake of this U.S. cowardly withdrawal, which George W. Bush called a mistake. Jen P. Saki, you know, P. Sack, the White House spokesperson, Little red, little walk it back, Jen. She said, quote, we are launching what we are calling Operation Allies Refuge to support relocation flights for interested and eligible Afghan nationals and their families who have supported the United States and our partners in Afghanistan. And like every other piss poorly planned action of the Gropy Joe administration, Pisaki provided few details about where the evacuees might be taken while their special immigration visa applications are rushed through. She said, In terms of the specific numbers, I'm not going to be able to provide those to you for operational and security reasons. But she did say that the first flights out will be on chartered commercial airlines and would begin last week of July. In other words, about 10 days from now. 
She said, our objective is to get individuals who are eligible relocated out of the country in advance of the withdrawal of troops by the end of August. God, I hope none of those evacuees have babies who might crap their diapers. Oh, you hear about that one? You'll really appreciate it. A flight attendant. Well, let me let me start out with this. Flight attendants have for a long time thought that they ruled the skies. And in the U.S., they obviously actually do. A woman told NBC News that a flight attendant shouted at her for disposing of a dirty diaper in an airplane. The woman says the flight attendant called it a biohazard and then asked the woman to go and retrieve the crappy nappy from the garbage can. She said the attendant later told her she was now on the no-fly list. And of course, the woman, a blafrican American 13 percenter, described the incident as, you guessed it, racist. Sure she did. Because this woman was a blafrican American 13 percent AA minority, she blindly threw out the race card. Now, before I realized that this mother was a black woman, I was all for this mother. Not because I'm a racist, folks, but because she had to play the race card where it should not have been played. Now, I don't agree with the flight attendant's methodology. I don't agree that she should have told any mother of any race, you need to go retrieve a crappy diaper from a garbage bin. But as soon as this woman played the race card, my sympathy level for her went to zero. Again, I don't agree with the flight attendant's methodology, but the very second this mom threw out the race card where it obviously was not racially motivated, mom's credibility goes down the shitter. Mom blew it. She did. She shouldn't have said the race card. The very moment that I was beginning to support her position, she played the Ace of Spades race card and I stopped feeling for her immediately. No airline employee, my friends, wishes to have to fish out a crap-filled diaper from the tiny garbage receptacle in an airplane lavatory after the flight. You know how small a garbage can actually is, right? You can barely put a napkin in it. So cramming a crap-filled diaper down there would certainly have created more problems. So what's a mommy to do with a poopy diaper? Keep it in the seat back pocket, in the seat ahead of her? Pew-wee! Doing that would have offended the passengers in the adjacent seats. The mom cannot be expected to hand it to the flight attendant as she walks up the aisle picking up newspapers and cups and cans and napkins, right? Mom can't eat the dirty diaper. Leaving it on the baby full of crap is not an option. So what's a mom to do with that dirty diaper? The woman's name is Farah Naz Khan, a doctor from Seattle. She says she might sue the airline over this incident. Well, of course she will. She'll probably have the ACLU lawyers all lined up waiting at the airport to do such an action. She told NBC News that she was flying from Kalispell, Montana to Houston, Texas with her husband and their baby daughter on Friday of last week. Halfway through the flight, baby crapped its diaper. She changed the baby's diaper at the diaper changing station at the back of the plane. Then she placed the crappy diaper in a bag and then placed the bag in the garbage bin. She said the flight attendant saw her return to her seat carrying the diaper wipes container and asked her whether she had just disposed of a diaper. Then the attendant supposedly said this is a biohazard. Ms. Khan said the flight attendant yelled at her. <laughs> 
She asked the male flight attendant whether he wanted to wanted her to fish out the used diaper, and she said the man told her, Yes, I do want you to fish that crappy diaper out of the garbage can. Miss Kahn said then she asked another flight attendant for a garbage bag to put the diaper in. Second flight attendant told her she hadn't done anything wrong in the first place, according to Miss Kahn. Kahn told NBC News that she filed a customer service complaint with the flight with the uh, airline when the plane landed, but that a few hours later, the male flight attendant called her. She said she recognized his voice. Khan told NBC News that the male flight attendant said, due to a biohazard incident on the plane today, we've placed you on the no-fly list. This made Miss Khan very angry. She says she suffered the humiliating experience. She fished the diaper out and threw it away outside after she landed. She said that the call, which lasted about three minutes, was filled with profanities by this male flight attendant. Now, I wonder who spouted out the profanities. A trained customer service representative who was obviously white on a recorded possible line? Or an angry 13 percenter with a race card to play? Let's see. Angry black woman looking to sue over a race card opportunity. Look, all parties were wrong here. Go back to living your lives. There's nothing more to see here, folks. And that, my friends, will wrap up this morning's first edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, The Truth Hurts Network.